previously on Color Correction. Our favorite Egyptian American is here, Pastor Johnny Rashid. All right. In this instance, Amber Geiger, um, who was the police officer that shot and killed um, both of John. The thing that we were thinking about on the day we recorded that minisode were the responses uh, to Brant John's response to Amber Geiger at the trial, where he hugged her. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the main um, teaching for the pastor or the message to the pastors were was don't use Brant's forgiveness as an illustration in your sermon to make a point about forgiveness. Where we're coming down is that we're all kind of generally frustrated uh-huh. by the manipulation of sure. yeah. Brent's forgiveness okay. and how so many white Christians and probably black Christians too, um, any sort of Christian um, was using this as an example of like ultimate ultimate forgiveness mm-hmm. and like an example of how all Christians should behave and really taking for granted the deep nature of Brent's actions yeah. as opposed to looking at it as the exception that it is. It, I, I don't think it's a standard. You know, forgiveness in the absence of justice costs something. You know, I've had to, I recently forgave somebody mm-hmm. who offered a very unsatisfactory apology to me. Um, and I've recently described it simply as a, I, I conceded. I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to keep asking for more repentance and more reconciliation. I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to let it go mm-hmm. and I'm going to move on with my mm-hmm. life and realize the cost of our lack of reconciliation is intimacy. We're not going to be as close as we could be, and we're not going to be as down as we could be. But that's what I'm doing, because I see your limitations, and I really don't want to keep bearing the... I like that you're acknowledging that just because you forgave this person doesn't mean that the intimacy is restored. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, I had a recent conflict. Um, I mentioned on the last episode that I'm a woman that struggled with... um, eating disorders. Um, And with eating disorders, I struggle with body dysmorphia. I never really know what I look like. So sometimes I'm much fatter than I thought. And sometimes I'm much thinner than I thought. Um, And pictures can really throw off my day um, because it'll either swing me one way or the other. Mm. Um, And I had asked explicitly one of my friends, like, hey, if you take a picture of me, I'd prefer you don't even take a picture of me. But if you do... um, don't send it to me. And three weeks later, they had posted a picture of me. Um, and when I confronted them about it, they talked to me about my anger, which is such a go-to for black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I mentioned it to another friend, their response was that I was being passive aggressive to the other friend. So they immediately like defended. That's why I talked about Amber Geiger being defended and like mm-hmm. her being the center of the story when she was the transgressor, bringing right. that word back. But for me, it was so frustrating that a white woman was like the center of my story when I was the one who was wronged. And it made like forgiving really hard Yeah, because I felt like that response was so innate that 
it made me question our relationship in general Mm -hmm. and like the capacity for those people to really be in relationship with me, especially as a black woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it happened so quickly and it seemed so, like I said, innate that I was like, oh, I don't think you see my full humanity. Yeah. And that is just the state of our relationship's existence. Hmm. People are very uncomfortable when their friends are going through distress even as a result of a wrong that they committed. Mm -hmm. And so often they jump to their defense. What they don't realize is that jumping to their defense cheapens my forgiveness of you. Mm -hmm. Because I want to forgive you for what you did. But if everybody around you is convincing you that you didn't do anything wrong, like you just stumbled into the wrong apartment and were scared and then killed somebody, and I guess any of us could do that. Right. Uh It sounds crazy. Right. That cheapens the pain. Right. That I feel, and mm-hmm. thus the forgiveness. Give me a chance to forgive this person and don't just defend them. Right. Because Acknowledge they, I mean, the yeah. harm that was yeah. caused to me. I'll probably be way quicker to forgive. And then I'll forgive you. Yeah. I mean, that's repentance. That's reconciliation. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, you know, I'm glad that we came to that, you know, and that we're working on that project, especially in the church and in community. Mm-hmm. We need to be intimate. Yeah, but it can't be cheap. It's It can't be. Mm-mm. And we have to acknowledge that it costs something. Right. And the people mm-hmm. asking, and I do think people of color that have been hurt by racism, which is endemic to the United States and covers everything in the United States, people that have been hurt by racism do need to move towards forgiveness. What do but, you mean need? I don't know. I don't feel like I can tell any person of color that they need to act any sort of way in regards to racism. Well, I'm, I'm speaking as a follower of Jesus, as one who is forgiven by Jesus and who is following that example. Yeah, so but we have framework. a high capacity for caucasity, too. Like when you, <laughs> you and grow I? Up, yeah, when you grow up around white people, and you know this, too, mm-hmm. we have a high caucasity threshold. I mean... I'm I'm mainly talking about in community with people that have made the same agreements that I have. In Christian faith. Yeah, I'm not making a principled point that I would apply to everybody, especially people that I don't know. Yeah. What I'm saying is if I'm going to follow in the way of Jesus, I... I, uh, We have to learn to forgive white people. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) All right. So how do you feel? I mean, someone out there is, is listening to you and thinking, that sounds awfully like... That sounds pretty cowardly. Right. That sounds like white apologists. Yeah. That sounds pretty... That sounds like we're submitting to the dominators. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. What would you say to that person? Well, forgiveness isn't the only thing that we do. Uh Forgiveness gives me the capacity to uh, fight for liberation, too. There is still justice. There is still liberation. There is still reparations that can happen. So, when I'm talking to people of color, what we can do is forgive. That doesn't mean we don't talk about injustice and we don't talk about the need for liberation. Mm-hmm. But, it, but, but for the dominators, you have to do your part in making things right. My forgiveness of you doesn't exonerate you of your responsibility for making this better. Okay. I think that's you an important ne- You point need to, to act yeah. differently. Right. Yeah. I forgave you because my anger against you... Um, doesn't doesn't um, benefit me, right? But make the make make the sin go away. 
Uh-huh. Stop acting this way, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I mean, that I, sounds I, so... Uh, so, Johnny, you're advocating for forgiveness that's out of a sense of self-preservation. Primarily. I think forgiveness is about self-preservation. Yeah, I get what you're too. saying. Also, I have to say this. Um, normally, I, I cut out people's the pauses in between words. I think I'm going to leave all of all of yours in because it's very dramatic. <laughs> I yeah. do, I, well, yeah, I'm always sorry. Johnny, I'm, Johnny, um, always going, a sermon. Yeah, going back to what you were saying earlier about how forgiveness doesn't automatically restore intimacy. I think... That, I want to add a point oh, yeah, to sure, something that he said just a second ago. I think it's interesting. It sounds like you're talking about forgiving individual actors, but not necessarily forgiving the systems that these individual actors um, contribute to. So it's one thing to yeah. forgive your classmate that was stupid in 12th grade, but that doesn't mean that we ignore or forgive or move past systems of white supremacy, systems of racism, systems of mass incarceration. If, yeah, if I forgive someone who is racist against me, I'm only speaking for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking for every person of color. Yeah. Who am I? And that's an important why, distinction, why am I, am I just Don't a, expect me to forgive you. Yeah, I mean, right I, guess, I guess I could be your token friend, so you think, yes, he's speaking for every brown person in the world. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking for me, between me and you. You know, we're not talking about systems of oppression, mm-hmm. which we're speaking relationally and, and now, being able and, 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 to be and, in relationship. Yeah, with there is people. a di- there is a different motif, biblical motif, for how to undo systems of oppression, and it's not through uh, um, sacrificial forgiveness. You actually have to change the world, mm-hmm. and that's what we're working on. That's resurrection energy. That's Jesus conquering death energy. That's what we're talking about. That's it's a whole different way of doing it. The cross doesn't just forgive us because of the sacrifice that God endured. The cross also conquers death and undoes all the wrongs in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. And the resurrection says you can too. And now that's what we're doing. That's what we can do. We can, we can change the world. And Just, so that's that's systemic forgiveness isn't isn't um, what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Just so our listeners know, Johnny does this thing that when he first starts getting going on preaching, he his hands move, but it kind of stays in the frame of his body. But when he really gets going, his hands are all the way out. So just to let you That's guys right. know. She knows that when my hands get moving that way, she's in for it for a while. That's right. Yes. Johnny, Johnny is practically flying right now. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to say on that subject? Of personal forgiveness. Yeah. What does it like? What does atonement look for us? Look like for us? What is atonement? Like somebody making making a, a, like, huh? Making their the wrong right. Right? Is that how we what we would consider atonement? It's almost like reparations. Is it? Well, why don't you give it a shot, Andrew? Um, atonement is a word. That John Wycliffe made up, right? None of us would know that, but oh you my gosh, mm, 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 that's mm. where we're going with this. <laughs> I didn't expect it to get this specific Whoa. at all. A- atonement. Oh, come on, etymology dictionary. Get more. <laughs> who, who made this up? It's. I mean, in, uh, simply speaking, it's the work of Jesus. Atonement is a word that William Tyndale made up, okay. and it literally means at. One meant. It's the idea. It's the idea of restoring a good relationship, where okay. something that was broken is now at one again. Okay. So Tyndale made this word up to translate the Bible to talk about what Jesus does 
in reuniting us with God. Hmm. Um, but I mean, let's talk about that. And I mean, and I'm also thinking about our previous conversation about hell, Johnny. Um, oh yes. One of the issues that we were having when we were talking about hell is the fact that a lot of these ways of thinking about hell don't seem to offer any way of restoring or repairing what has been broken. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the person hasn't paid for what they've done at all. Now, what it offers is destruction for destruction. Mm-hmm. Right. Like somebody burns forever or maybe somebody gets annihilated or something. Now, some Christians might say that the work of the, the suffering was done by Jesus on the cross. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that idea? Do we need to pay for the things that we've done, I guess is what I'm saying? We're talking about thousands of years of tradition and theology that has developed over time. I'm a contextual thinker, so I always try to place every piece of theology that was developed in its historical context to try Mm -hmm. to understand why it worked then and and, uh, how it can work now. Christianity is full of contextualization. The danger comes when we codify contextualization or we principalize it, and then it loses its context, and it becomes part of, the, uh, p- part of uh, the fabric of our faith. To your point, using the Bible, I think you can make an argument that Christ died once and for all, mm-hmm. and all the pain that needed to be suffered happened on the cross, happened on Golgotha on that Friday. Yeah, so somehow that suffering pays for all suffering, is what you're saying. I think that you can make an argument with the Bible that that's exactly what happens. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians 5, in Colossians 1, I think you see that. And the hope is that we're all mm-hmm. universally reconciled through this great act of atonement, of becoming one with God. That's one theory. Other people say there's actually a period of uh, repentance, mm-hmm. of gnashing our teeth, right? right? Where we actually endure some reparations within ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, a, a temporary hell of sorts, or you might call it a purgatory. That's mm-hmm. the word I was trying to think where of. you're purified and then you reconcile yourself to God. Yeah. These kind of eschatological speculative ideas, eschaton, end of the world, what happens at the end of time. Obviously it's speculation. We don't know. My You have adv- to die to find out. My, yeah, well, if you die, Andrew might like you. So that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, then I can stand for you. <laughs> the, 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 the speculation is helpful because it's so mysterious. Mm-hmm. And because it's mysterious, we can borrow from all the traditions of our um, sprawling faith mm-hmm. and use the, the explanations that work for our context and for the people that we're talking about. Because the Bible is not agreed upon how all of this works. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they, 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 they were, they were, they were doing the best they could to, to, to discern what right. God was telling them. And so we, again, have a cornucopia of options here that not, not only goes for hell and judgment, it also goes for atonement. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that we've got options. I guess what I'm asking is what feels best because the idea that, all right, let's say somebody wrongs, wrongs a person. Let's say somebody wrongs me in such a way that in this life they're never going to make it up. Yeah. And let's say that I... We've said that phrase so many times this episode. <laughs> it's, it's, it works for what we're talking about, though. Yeah. And I forgive them, right? But they're never going to... But that relationship is, is damaged beyond repair because of what they've done. 
for instance, they've killed a family member. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way you can restore that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even worse, let's say that the person that did that is is completely unrepentant. Yeah. So not only have they are they unable to repair it, but they don't even want to. The idea, well, regardless of that, I mean, the idea that somehow the the payment for that is is done by Jesus on the cross is a little, I don't know, it feels a little yeah, abstract to me. I don't understand. I just can't make the, it's, it's easier for me to envision them having to, in some afterlife, having to gnash their teeth for a little bit than it I is for the, like the idea. Of maybe hell. I just do. Maybe yeah. I'm just into hell. I don't know. You see where I'm coming from though? Does that make sense? That there has to be some sort of atonement and that atonement like would that be per- the same suffering that well, you experience on earth. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know. Just like they have to, like it has to be, it's just, I get the poetic beauty of like Jesus paid for it. I just, I, I guess maybe it's the legal mind. It's just I don't, I don't, I can't. It's hard for me to make the connection. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that it's it's hard to make the connection when you're talking about being wronged. When it comes to you committing the wrong, mm-hmm. you need the forgiveness of Jesus to forgive yourself too. Mm, sure, it teaches you to let go of the things that you can't restore on your own. One of the reasons why the perpetrator mm-hmm. cannot make things right is because what, what, they, what they did is irreparable. They can't do it. They can't fix it. And so in order for them to move towards restoration, they need to be told, you can go forward imperfectly because you're seen differently now. It's very hard to do this, Mm -hmm. to see yourself as a new beloved person, especially when you've committed these terrible things. Mm -hmm. Because most people aren't going to get a hug. No, absolutely not. From a family member of the person they've wronged irreparably. I also wonder what's our atonement limit, right? Because there are so many white people that get it wrong over and over again to the point that it feels like they're not even trying. And how many times do we as people of color forgive? Yeah. I mean, I guess we have to forgive every time, but that shit's annoying. Yeah, totally. I, 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 I mean, of course, Peter says to Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Seven times. Jesus says, try seven 70 times, times 70, 70, right? Well, I'm, well but I mean, you know, I but it's like white people that done made that limit. um but again like going back to what what i would like does on some level doesn't that feel kind of like conceding Mm -hmm. right i mean this is a johnny yeah i know i i like i like that johnny is just a wall that we can bounce everything well the concession i it is a concession but and and i i experience this differently as a as a as a as a man Mm -hmm. and as a brown man because yes i do need to forgive the dominators that oppress me. And you feel that personally as for, a brown for, for man. For the sake of my own freedom. Mm-hmm. But I also need to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Because as much as I am a victim of whiteness and white supremacy and racism, I'm also, I also perpetrate um, patriarchy and sexism. So mm-hmm. I need to be forgiven for that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Intersectionality teaches us our mutual culpability for the wrongs in the world. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just make make us a perp or a victim. Mm-hmm. It, it makes us realize, oh, we're working something out together. Mm. And Bethany, you're a, a black woman. Uh, you're a black woman. And so you have sexism and racism to deal with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're also able-bodied. Um, Except for that funky hip. Relatively brilliant. <laughs> 
educated, relatively capable, <laughs> employed. You know. Yeah. Um. So so. There are privileges that yeah, more nuanced privileges yeah, 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 yeah. that we have and that so we violate and need to learn we're, how. We're, we're working out how to live in an intersectionally reconciling community mm. that exemplifies something new mm. in the world. That and Jesus is the author of that. Yeah. And not and not justice of the world, because there is too much wrong in the world for vengeance against it to result in anything but yes, annihilation. <laughs> Right. You know, we were just we, there. We can't we can't undo the wrongs in the world. You know, the, the, because the the magnitude of evil is so great. Mm-hmm. You know, the United States House for the first time ever recognized the Armenian genocide. Recognition of the genocide that the Turks committed is a step towards forgiveness. You know, just acknowledging that it happened. I see your pain. I see what happened to you. You know, suggesting that we should uh, take an eye for an eye in that case mm-hmm. results in another genocide. Mm-hmm. You know, when we ask for reparations for racialized chattel slavery in the United States, we're asking for things to be made right. We're not asking for vengeance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No oh, one's asking to, right. to uh, enslave and uh, abuse and kill white people as a response of what they did to black people in the United States, because that resu- that that does not that does not restore. If I did have a slave white person, I'd make them play the ukulele a lot, though. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> you know, Andrew Andrew plays the ukulele. No, you play the mandolin, yeah, play don't the you? Mandolin. Yeah. Are they yeah. similar instruments? Mm, no, they're tuned completely differently. I don't know how the ukulele works. It's but they, do they look alike? I. I, to, I mean, they're a little ass. I guess thing it's a small. It's a string yeah. instrument. Yeah. We're, we're getting yeah, so far away yeah, from right the main now. We're all going to have to repeat. That's my uh, line. We were talking about. Um, <laughs> I feel like white people really like ukuleles. <laughs> That's like the. <laughs> You're not the funny because it's not even a white instrument. It's Hawaiian. It totally is. The white people love it. Um, white. We were talking about Jesus forty seven times forty. Yeah. Okay. So Johnny t- uh, mentions how um, we have to look at not just how. Uh, we are violated, but the privileges yeah. that we come with right. that cause us to transgress against or violate other people. Yeah. And Jesus even says, forgive other people just like God forgives you. Mm-hmm. The idea is that if we want to receive forgiveness, we also have to forgive. And I, I think we also have to keep reminding ourselves this the, the point that we came across earlier, which is that just because you're forgiving somebody doesn't mean you're letting reconciled them off the hook. Exactly. It doesn't mean you're reconciled. It doesn't mean they've repaired the damage. It just means that you've let go of of uh, kind of mm-hmm. the, the hold of vengeance that you have. Yeah. Forgiveness is absolutely something that is about the person that has been wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like forgiving is a... a, a selfish and I use the word selfish loosely, but it is all about yourself. It is not about the other person. It is self work. It's self love. It's yeah. self care. Yeah, it's much closer to self love than self I can see yeah. that. And also on the subject of having to do it over and over again. I mean you've been talking about that specific instance where somebody wronged you uh for a while because you've had it, it's it takes a lot to process through mm-hmm. it. And to that extent you have to forgive over and over again. Yeah, yeah, because you find new things to be kind of pissed off about right. well, in it. And you're in a context where you continue to be in relationship with that person. It's right. Not, it's not as easy as it is in some cases to just bow out. Right. Yeah. I remember when the incident happened, 
and they were indignant about the the offense. Um, and I read the email first thing in the morning and I just burst into tears. And in my tears, I just started crying. I'm going to have to fucking forgive her. Like that was I was angrily uh-huh. yelling that at myself. And I yeah. think that's because I had the idea that I was going to have to let her off the hook. It feels much better to think of forgiveness as this like self-work. Well, can we can we flip this for a minute and um, put like keep that person on the hook and, and talk about the other side of this equation? Like, can we talk to the person who is continuously um, the microaggressor? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe with that process of atonement and redemption looks like for them. Like, you've got this work, which is hard work, of forgiving um, in the face of continued transgression. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might be dealing with someone who is a serial transgressor who mm-hmm. wants not to be. And it's like in the midst of that, mm-hmm. like if we're giving them the benefit of the doubt, what is that path toward conciliation or reconciliation possibly look like? Is that is that something we can address? If you are the offender, if yeah. you're the serial offender. Yeah. Is that something we need to take up? I think one of the first steps in being like a serial <laughs> microaggressor is recognizing that Every person, every person of color that you're in relationship with may not choose to keep being in relationship with you and that you're responsible for that and Mm. owning that. I feel like I know a lot of white folks that just have this expectation of forgiveness and find fault in the person that chooses not to be Mm. reconciled with them. Like they blame them for being un forgiving and like kind of label them as like the center Mm -hmm. and i think it's a privilege if you keep on offending your friends of color and Mm -hmm. they choose to keep being in relationship with you and keep choosing to um help you learn yeah like Mm -hmm. that is a gift i mean any and the the act of we have to i think we have to keep reminding ourselves that the act of forgiveness (laughs) itself the act of forgiveness itself is a gift yeah we cannot stop seeing that as grace right uh and this goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning the act that we can't see that act of forgiveness as anything else but but grace that person is letting go of a right that they have Mm -hmm. yeah and that costs them something Mm -hmm. it's a gift it's a gift given to you freely that costs the person that is giving you the gift something. Yes. Right. right. And and so maybe for that for that person who is constantly losing friends of color or like is constantly wanting a kind of intimacy that they can't seem to find mm-hmm. with those <laughs> or they can't seem to maintain. Yeah. Maybe there's something instructive in that realization. Mhm. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to our last segment here. We gotcha. should really wrap this up. Um, so at the end of the episode, we like to talk about stuff that we're into this week. Uh, Bethany, do you want to kick us off? Sure. So I want to make sure that I take the time to really honor um, something that's super important in my life. It is something that is really almost like a religious experience for me every time I have it. Um, and the season is winding down and I'm referring to pumpkin spice. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, peppermint's coming. Peppermint is coming. Peppermint Woo, mocha is Lord. coming. But it is nothing like the high, holy pumpkin spice. Blasphemy. Wow. Okay. So before the season spice. is over, I'm just totally into pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin spice frappuccinos, pumpkin spice regular coffee, all things pumpkin spice. There is also a piece of pumpkin bread by you. And I did have a little bit, just but it's kind of late for Who me made to be that eating. pumpkin bread? Johnny Rashid. Johnny Rashid. Great. I think I did. <laughs> all right. I'm into a TV show uh, called Undone. It's a weird. Um, it's a TV show about a woman who isn't sure whether she's going crazy or whether she has superpowers. And it is filmed in a kind of... It's animation, but it's drawn over film. So mm-hmm. it's rotoscoped and it's really trippy and weird. But I like it for two specific reasons. One... Uh, this kind of story about a person who doesn't know whether they are going crazy but or have superpowers has been told before, obviously. But this is specifically about a Mexican-American woman and her Catholic family. And she has to deal with, like, the like the, her, the Catholic side of things and dealing with, like, her, uh, the, like, Mesoamerican shamanistic beliefs and, like, dealing with these different influences over her life. And just the, the act of putting a, uh, like, putting that this story in a mexican framework just changes the whole thing and makes it really cool and secondly it is the the show is really about the meaning of belief and faith and specifically uh what we believe and how we how it influences our lives and i don't want to spoil anything but if you love the the original ending of the gospel of mark you will love Undone, now streaming on Amazon Prime. So that's what I'm into. I have to say one more thing about that, which is that it's a really weird experience watching this show from the perspective of somebody who has faith. Because I feel like the first thing I do after I watch a show is look up all the stuff TV critics have written about it. And none of them say anything about the what I see as very obvious religious aspects of the show. It's like they're watching a completely different show than me. Um, oh, that's frustrating. Yeah, it is, because I'm, like, seeing all these things that I... Th- it's not even subtext. It's, like, literally text. There's, mm. like, literally, like, an Easter service in the show. Is is Andrew crazy? But none of... have faith superpowers? Exactly. <laughs> so that's what it feels like. So I wish... I want somebody else to watch the show so I can be, like, am I just imposing my own thoughts in the show, or am I, like, seeing actual stuff from the Gospels in here? Anyway... Um, for me, I'm I'm a slow reader, so I'm still reading Unsettling Truths by Mark Charles and Soong Chan Ra. Um, it's a book that I would really like um, every American white evangelical to read to understand um, a lot about how our our Christianity is um, really tied into the genocide um, and doctrines of Christianity that fed those doctrine that those anyway like there's a lot there's a lot there you should just read the book unsettling truths all right johnny one thing i'm into right now because it's early november is christmas music so i'm listening to a lot of christmas music i'm very thrilled about this (laughs) um i should just say johnny has the same appetite for Christmas music that Andrew has for crappy food. It's they're really Oh, I'm a gourmand too. I like bad food. Yeah. Wait, you're a gourmand and you like bad food? Gourmands eat everything. Oh, okay. Gourmets don't. <laughs> okay. Thanks for that. <laughs> um but but on a more serious note, I just finished a uh a classic called Christ and Culture. 
by a theologian named Richard Niebuhr, where he goes through um, five different typologies of Christian ethics, the radical Christians, Christ against culture, the cultural Christians, Christ of culture, and then the synthesizers, Christ above culture, the dualists, Christ and culture in paradox, and then the transformers, the Christ, the transformer of culture. And so he goes through five ways that we can imagine how Jesus intersects with culture, and I found it uh, very fascinating um, in, even, even in our conversation today, figuring out what sort of ethical framework we're working with as mm-hmm. Christians and borrowing from a variety of traditions as we sort through this. Uh, how do I? I'm so sorry. You thank everybody. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, special thanks to Joe Mahoney, our technical director, and also to Luke Bartolome, our communications manager. Our theme song is by Jared Selby. Uh, And again, if you're listening to our podcast, I'm going to shout out all the different countries that we've seen have been listening to us. Canada, Ireland, Jamaica. If you're listening to our podcast, hit us up. Let us know what you think about it. And stay black, Little Mermaid. Stay brown, Aladdin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Brown character, no matter how racist they are, because oh, that was a lot. I like any because we don't get that many, so we just collect them. We just like them. Are you thinking of Aladdin specifically when you say that? Yeah, Aladdin's kind of racist. Jafar, you know, in the in the in the the, uh, you can tell who's good and bad in those movies because the bad guys speak with an accent. Mm -hmm. Good guys speak like speak without an accent. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're good, but a British accent. Does Aladdin have a British accent? No, Jafar. Fun jump. Oh, yeah, it is kind of British, but then a little Arab, too. Right, like, but Does bad it? guys have British accents. Even an, even an African lion. Yeah, they're, the co- they're colonists. That's yeah. why. That's a fair point.